Before we get started with the show today, I just want to remind everyone to go to www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the donate button. You can set up a recurring monthly donation or a single-time donation for literally any amount. But for listeners who donate above $10 a month or above $30 for a single-time donation, we will be thanking you directly on the show. So once again, that's www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the donate button. On with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's show, we are talking about intuitive color. Color is powerful in our everyday lives and certainly in our art. It is the most studied of the visual elements by experts outside the field of art, in biology, psychology, and cultural studies. As artists, we may work with color in an intuitive way or more intellectually, and most likely some combination that suits us. The way we work with color is linked to our own characters and personalities. There is no one right way or system for using color. Today, we will talk about personal choices for use of color and its importance in our work with a focus on intuitive color use. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. Before we get started, I want to mention that um, I am putting off the episode uh, that I mentioned on Facebook about books that artists recommend, simply because I got so many responses, and I need to follow up on some and, um, you know, find a way to present this information in a way that isn't just reading a long list of books. But if anyone does want to see that list, um, you can check my Facebook, uh, my public Facebook page. I have a quick note as well. I need to retract my statement about the gas station donut beer. Um, I tried it. Distinct from Mobcraft's donut beer. It's uh, it's like more like a coffee chocolate donut thing. And, uh, you know, it's not really like my thing, but it ain't bad. So there's that. <laughs> okay. That was the the uh, the beer update. Thank you. <laughs> so um, <laughs> today's topic of color was suggested by Ann Jackson, who commented on the Facebook art poll about art books that um, she had a number of books about color that she was recommending. And they were mostly, as far as I could tell, of the more um, scientific bent. And color is such a large topic, and I decided that I did want to talk about it, but I'd like to focus on personal and intuitive use of color rather than the more scientific studies, which really is, you know, that's more what I'm interested in. But if you want to read about color systems and analysis, there are lots of resources for that, uh, books, websites, classes that you can take, um, and so I and I don't really go there because I'll explain that in a minute, um, and th- and that really is about my own story in in art school was that because I transferred from one school to another, somehow in all my seven years of art school, um, I never had a formal class in color, although this really is a standard part of of the art curriculum. But something about the transfer, the, somehow that fell through the cracks. And I just never have felt that that was a problem for me. And I did miss the more theoretical um, learning about color. 
So I just learned about it through my own practice and developing my own approaches and and relying on intuition. And so that that is what I want to talk about today. I I prefer this intuitive approach overall, although although balancing it with some basic knowledge is obviously also really good. Um, so I have a few thoughts about this that we're going to talk about. And the first one has to do with what I call color confidence. <laughs> and I have discovered in teaching workshops that a lot of self-taught artists who haven't been to art school feel really insecure about color. Um, and they're very concerned about scientific and technical issues because the impression that you can easily get is that color has to be studied from that perspective and that there are definite rules and formulas to, to get it right. And I'm not discounting that this may be of a lot of interest to people, but the role of intuition, uh, trusting that intuition is important. Um, so it's kind of a choice if you if you want to get into the science of it, the systems of color mixing. There are different people that have uh, put forward different types of color wheels, etc. This can be very interesting if that's that's what you like. Um, there's also some really interesting information out there about the origins of color uh, of paint throughout history, how colors are made, um, where the different elements in paints and other art materials come from that create color. And this is all, you know, it is really a lot of interesting stuff to delve into if you choose. And and I also want to say there are some media that do require knowing more of the theory about color, uh, such as, I mean, what comes to my mind is watercolor where you're layering colors one over the other. And a lot of watercolor artists study this and make color charts and things about how to layer colors to achieve a certain color. As with you know, oil paint, you can just keep going over the top if you wish. Uh, printmaking is another one where if you do multiple color runs, you want to have some idea of how these colors interact when they're layered tra in a transparent way. Um, so those... And there are probably others. They they require a little deeper understanding, I think. I think that if um if you're going to work intuitively, uh, you you need to expect it to be a process that's going to take a little bit longer to develop. It it requires a lot of experience and a lot of observation of of the world around you and how others use color, um, it, to allow that to to develop over time. If you're um if if you're working from a more kind of intellectual uh, I'm going to study the aspects of color, whether psychological or how to mix them specifically. It's it's going to be a little bit more of a shortcut towards that end destination. Um, but you may not have that foundation uh, of in a, in a sense of how to use that color. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it becomes more like here's how to make color charts. But how will the color be used most effectively is... I think, you know, you're going to have to confront that <laughs> no matter how you work. Uh, but color is, is very, color interactions are very complex and subtle. And I think the intuitive part comes in for everyone in, in refining their own vision and uh, seeing color 
seeing how color can shift from one surface to another um, in relation to other colors. And you can study this, and it's a scientific um, fact that we perceive color differently in different situations. But yeah, you're right. When it gets down to actually creating art with it, um, there's a there's a steep learning curve every time you try something new. You have to be pretty patient and um, and I also think that um, some of the basic knowledge, the basic under understanding and vocabulary is important because you need that for communication um, with other people. And it also can help you clarify when you're looking at your own painting, why something is or isn't working. And that's just kind of your basic terms like complementary colors, warm and cool, primary colors, color value. Uh, these are fairly simple understandings. And I think what you're really after is some kind of balance between this more analytical mind and your intuition. And <laughs> it's another one of those great balances that we have in the studio that just kind of go on all the time. So I think, you know, getting back to the idea of color confidence, it's it takes time, you're right. It takes time to build it up. And um, every time you shift your use of color a little bit, you, you may go through this kind of period of trying to, to understand it. Uh, I mentioned the kind of basic concept, simple concept. Another thing I to keep in mind are these kind of basic color dualities. Uh, these include things like warm and cool colors. And there's the very basic warm and cool colors that you can see on the color wheel and the division of the warm reds, yellows, oranges, and the cool greens, blues, and refining that slightly, that happens within every color hue, or the name of the color is called hue. So within, say, red, uh, you have warmer reds and you have cooler reds. And that's getting a little more specific, but it's really important because our brains can say, oh, I think I need some red here, and we grab a cool red rather than a warm red, and our brain says, oh, we've put in this warm color, yet it may read as quite cool. And so, you know, bringing the eyes in always and really trying to work with that intuitive perception of the color, is it warm or cool? Uh, another duality is bright, is the intensity of the color in terms of brightness or a kind of a softer um, intensity. So, this um, can be confused with value of color, which is the darkness and lightness. So something like a cadmium yellow, may your brain may say, well, that's a, a light color, a bright color, um, but it is actually more bright than light. If you were to look at it on a grayscale or photograph it with a black and white setting on your camera, you'd see that cadmium yellow it's not all that light in terms of value. It's bright. So these kind of just awareness of basic stuff is is good when you're analyzing your work. 
uh, oftentimes you also work with a dominant color and supporting colors. So that's just another duality that can figure in. And what I want to spend more time talking about is your color ideas and the ways of using color in your personal voice, you know, ways that make your work speak from your most inner parts and your what you want to say. Uh, because color really communicates a lot of meaning. And I think we all know this, and yet we can fall into habits with color that may not be putting out the meaning that we'd like to have in our work. And again, getting to into intuition, being overly concerned with rules and theories and things can get in the way of actually accessing this route to personal voice and personal voice tends to be fairly intuitive. So um, I guess a lot of times people say, um, oh, these are my colors. These are the colors I like. I hear this a lot when I teach. And I'd like to say that there's a difference between liking certain colors, being attracted to them, and being really moved by them and feeling some emotional response to them, something compelling, something that hits you. And these colors may not necessarily be the colors that you like to surround yourself with, like, you know, how you decorate your house or the clothes that you pick. They may be very different, <laughs> and you may not be aware of them. And so when you're looking at color situations, whether you know, it's in someone else's artwork or something in the world. I think to try to tune in to, you know, what kind of hits you in a in a really gut way. You say, wow, uh, rather than, oh, that's pleasing. Those are pleasing colors. So just kind of being aware of that. And thinking also about, you know, what are your what are the ideas about color? convey in your work? What are your color ideas? Um, and going into that uh, a little more deeply, a lot of people use very natural colors or what we call local color. In other words, um, in terms of nature, whether you're working abstractly or realistically, the colors would be the colors of that we see most often in nature, um, so-called earth colors, um, greens and blues and browns and um, so these colors don't call a lot of attention to themselves aside from what they evoke. So if you're wanting to evoke a natural feeling, and this isn't necessarily nature, a natural color can be, you know, if you're painting uh, something, a figure, you're using the colors of the figure. So the color itself isn't calling that much attention to itself. And this is something to think about a little bit if this is the type of color that you kind of trend towards. Um, is it? Would it be interesting to push the color out of that natural range? Would you like to emphasize it in some way? Um, sometimes using some sort of bold color in there that isn't so soft and natural, using it in a limited way can can really help a painting. It can really... Uh, bring a, a life to it that perhaps those softer earth colors don't have so much on their own. 
and this can be whether you're working abstractly or realistically with these colors. And if you're fine with those colors and that's what you want, um, and certainly can work very well, there's always this uh, aspect of contrast that is very helpful in a work of art. And so maybe if those if that's the color palette that you like, maybe you need contrast from some other source, like one of the other visual elements, maybe line or um, shape needs to be stronger so that there's something in the painting that stands out and brings that energy to it that contrast gives to our work. Um, Another way of working with color is using a lot of bright colors, a lot of bright colors together. And it's interesting to me that works of art that use a lot of bright color can convey various things emotionally. I mean, they can have a feeling of a lot of complexity and depth. They can convey chaos or discord. Um, they can convey excitement. They can convey power energy, joy. Uh, this is true whether, again, whether you're working realistically or more abstractly. And so with that big range, um, what what is it that you would like your painting to say? Because it can certainly be sort of misrepresented. Uh, sometimes people's immediate reaction to a lot of bright color is that this is um, a happy, exciting painting. Well, maybe that's not really what you meant. Maybe you're more looking to express chaos or discord, in which case the actual color choices are going to make a difference. Generally, um, primary colors are considered happy and joyful, and what we might call slightly acidic colors are convey more discord. So looking closely at what what are the actual colors you're using? How are they interacting? And are you using them for your personal voice, what you want to say with it? The other, Another challenge with having a lot of different colors in a work of art is some way to organize them. Uh, this is um, <laughs> when col color is often used as an organizational tool in a, in a composition. You've got a certain color that repeats in different parts of the painting. If that's very spread out, you need to think about structure maybe coming from a different visual element, you know, such as shape. Um, and the last thing I want to say about using a lot of different colors is, again, that, uh, that element of contrast. So if everything is bright, eh, maybe throw in a neutral here and there, a black or a white or a gray and this will help your colors speak more strongly. Um, so the last thing I want to say about using color as personal voice has to do with abstraction. If you paint abstractly, one of the kind of the ground um, ideas of abstraction is that usually there's a limited number of visual elements that are emphasized in an abstract work. So of the visual elements, usually two or three, like shape and color, or line and color or texture. So there's a there's a, uh, a focus. And this is true for color as well. Um, it's not that you can't use a lot of bright colors, as I just mentioned, but if color is one of the elements that you're very interested in, um, 
in your work, you may want to focus on a certain type of palette to really explore that color. And certainly not everyone is interested in color. And I, I probably should have said that at the very beginning. Color may not be important in any of your work. I mean, um, because we make these choices about what to emphasize in our work. And if that's where you're at, I feel like it should be something you arrive at intentionally and not just because you're afraid of color or you've avoided it for some reason. But if you want to emphasize color, um, think about what the color themes or palettes that you're using convey in terms of personal voice. Um, they can be anything from, you know, soft and quiet to bold, full of energy. A few of the kinds of palettes that people use, uh, I mentioned the range of bright colors. There's also what we call analogous colors, and those are colors that are close together, would be close together on the color wheel or within a range of a certain color. Like, say, within red, the color red, you could have warm and cool reds, you could have dark and light reds, etc. Um, and some artists work pretty much within that range of one or two colors. And I think what this does is it really draws attention to the impact of that color. Um, the color becomes extremely prominent or the main feature of the painting. And then I, the challenge really is then to how to organize it and make it into a composition uh, if color is extremely dominant in that way. Uh, when you use a, a minimalist color or more very limited palette, this usually conveys kind of a conceptual aspect to the work. It's a little more intellectual. Um, it can also have that strong emotional impact, but there's no story being told, really, you know, even in an abstract sense. It's, it's very um, forward. And some artists work without color, as I mentioned, um, although... In this sense, we have to consider black and white to be colors, although there's scientific background about that that I won't get into. But when you look at paintings that are mainly black, white, or gray, usually there's a sense of uh, calm, austerity, kind of quiet. Whatever they convey, and they convey, could convey something um, moody, a darker mood. But this very minimalist use of black and white and gray definitely has some kind of psychological impact, I feel like. That's a that's a pretty bold statement when you limit yourself that much. And again, to arrive there because it's where you want to be and not because you're just avoiding color. And the last thing I want to talk about just briefly is hmm, how how do you get there? How do you how do you find your use of color that means something to you and is important in your work if you choose it to be? And I guess these are somewhat obvious, but, <laughs> you know, experimenting, going outside your current habits. And this could involve, you know, small paintings, quick paintings, um, using color media in a sketchbook like oil pastel or colored pencil instead of just a lot of times people use a sketchbook and using just reg regular pencil or ink. But expanding that color use, even when you're just messing around and doodling, 
um, consciously experiment with different color ideas? You know, look at your work. Uh, is there something you feel like is missing? Um, what what combinations of color could get you to a place that you felt was exciting? A side note about color that I often see in my own work is I get to a point that it seems like there's one color that I need. I may not really know what that color is, but there's a flatness overall to the color. And I'll sit and look at it for a while. And I might do a little doodling or something over to the side with some paint. Think, what is that color that's really going to make this painting work? And I might not get it right the first time, but this at last step and understanding what it is that will bring the painting to life is something that comes about through trial and error, really, and experimenting. I mentioned observing color in other people's work and in the visual world, noticing what you just simply like and what feels moving or personal to you. This is a pretty big step, I think. I, I think a, a really good way to observe that is actually to look at advertisements and marketing materials um, because companies use color very intentionally. Um, you know, if they're spending a whole lot of money on an advertising campaign, a big part of that is the colors that they're using, the colors that they associate with their brand, and what those colors are intended to evoke in the audience emotionally. Yeah, very, very psychological approach. Right. Yeah. And this is a this is a very good time of year, actually, to be observing that. Um, you know, I was just thinking about the way that two different companies like, say, Coca-Cola and Corona handle Christmas advertising. Um, you know, Coca-Cola leans very heavily into Santa and everything is like red and they really make it pop by putting it on this like austere black and white kind of background. Um, you know, and they're very much focused on kind of family moments and warmth and, um, you know, getting together and, mm -hmm. uh, and then Corona, uh, is very much about like, uh, their branding is very much about getting away and sitting on a beach and enjoying the waves crashing in. And actually for their, they've been running this advertisement for years around the holidays where it's just a palm tree that lights up with Christmas lights <laughs> and, all, and they, they found a way to incorporate their brand colors, which are more soft yellows and blues and, and like they, they don't really have so much of this kind of party atmosphere in their advertising. It's more relaxing on a beach with a Corona, you know? And so they, you can see the way that they handle, um, you know, the, a very big time of year for advertising with different colors and in mm. very different ways to evoke very different moods. Um, so I think it's, it's a really good time of year to observe that actually in, in yeah. marketing that, that these companies are putting out. Yeah, I mean, good point. With with advertising, you know they are very consciously manipulating your response, not only to the images in the ad, but to the colors, as you say. And it it is an interesting thing to look at because it could expand. Uh, if you feel it got response to the color itself, then maybe that's something to pay attention to. Uh, and say, I may not want to buy your product, but maybe this is an idea that's interesting to me, <laughs> or maybe I do want to buy your product. Uh, but just that that 
objective observing of the, you know, you see it in book covers and things as well. Um, uh, the choice of colors to indicate the content of the book. I mean, there'll be some images, but there'll also be a feeling on the cover of whether it's an exciting book or a, you know, a calm meditative book or whatever it is. And those are, you know, they're all kind of basic, but just raising your awareness of how color manipulates us and not necessarily in a bad way. The term manipulation implies something bad maybe, but it's just knowing that color affects our moods and our perceptions incredibly. And this is something that you can study more, um, with in the field of psychology, there's a lot of stuff written about this. Uh, you know, getting back to the kind of intuitive response, I think that's whatever comes to your mind when you see color, or whatever comes to your to your feelings, and becoming a little more aware of that, and and looking at your own paintings and saying, what do people get from just from the color? Everything else aside, uh, what is the color saying? And is it important? Is it important in my work? Do I want it to be more important? So those are kind of those introspective things about just moving the color use along. And at the base of it is, um, do you want it to be important? Because not everybody does. So do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Yeah, I. to me, I, I see a lot of, uh, a lot of us use color in pretty habitual ways. As I said, most artists, a lot of artists will say, well, these are my colors. Um, and in spite of knowing that color has a huge impact in our work, and we can consciously or intuitively manipulate the color. So color can be, you know, as we talked about, you can approach it more intellectually or more intuitively. And on that on analytical side, there's a lot of resources for understanding color in those ways. But intuition is also really important. And I, I guess I want to point out that intuitive use of color is not the same as habitual use of color. Intuitive implies that you're tuning into the subtleties and nuances and um, being more sensitive to how you're using it. And understanding, I mean, I think we all know that color is a very powerful tool and putting a little more emphasis on how are you using it. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of the Messy Studio podcast. You can find the Messy Studio on Facebook as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Please make sure to check out squeegeepress.com as well as www.rebeccacroll.com and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.